welcome back to Good seeing you again. Yeah, oh, it's it's a thrill seeing you. You wanna? Always a pleasure. Welcome back to the gentleman's dojo. Oh, yeah. Do this. To my left, from Detroit, Michigan, oh, Motor yeah. City, Motown, uh, the city where it's kind of defunct. Yeah. And you embody that. Listen, I would like to think I'm bringing some life back into the city. I think people from my high school look at what kind of career I've had and a little envious. Okay. Uh, to my left, Gary Cannon, comedian. Not really. You're a warm-up comedian, right? Warm-up comedian? Yeah, would, yeah. You, well, you wouldn't call yourself a comedian, would you? I got to tell you, last week we had on, before I introduced you, but last week we had Frank Caliendo on. He was talking about trying to do impressions, all this other great stuff. And he told me whenever he walks into a room when he's doing stand-up and there's not a lot of people there, he feels that's his impression of you. To my right, from Pittsburgh, that PA. That's so un- No, it's, it's Jesus, it's, it's you're funny. the worst, dude. Uh, to my right, from Pittsburgh, PA. Oh, uh, Steve, bam, bam, burn, I guess. Why do you say it like that? Yeah, well, I don't know. I thought my joke was better than you're giving it credit for. I gave you an awesome introduction. Okay, back it up, edit. What's the time code? Great. To my right, <laughs> from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, getting ready to record his fourth hour special Lincoln Hall Chicago two shows steeper that was a, actually a good introduction yeah thank you I, I know when you're getting pissed when we're doing stand up and I we, I we were at the La Jolla Comedy Store a couple weeks ago and I brought up Gareth Reynolds saying you may recognize this guy from different strokes he played the guy that violated that Dudley. molested Dudley, that molested the Dudley, ma- yeah, at the bike, at the bike shop. shop. And then I like, just, dude, I just, I, I left the microphone and just walked out, and Gareth was right behind me. Yeah, and then Gareth goes up. He's like, I never molested anybody. Yeah, and yeah, that's always a good hold. I wanted to, to mention this uh, when we had Frank on the show and just didn't get a chance to. When we were in La Jolla, right, mm-hmm. we were all staying at this condo that the the comedy store has right by the beach, which is great. So it was me, you, Gareth was staying there as well, who was working with us on the road, and a buddy of ours, uh, Jason Dallas, who came down to to take some video of the show. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Gareth goes out uh, to hang out with some friends during the day, and it's me, you, and Jason that are sitting in the condo mid-afternoon on a Saturday watching some football. I'm laying there, and you say, hey, get up. We're going to go outside on the beach and play football. I say, I have absolutely no interest. I'm going to lay here, watch the football game. And you say very nicely, uh, get up, fat ass. That's what you told me. <laughs> you say, get up, fi- fat yeah, ass. you need it. You need exercise. And I said, who the F are you? Uh, I'm going to lay here. You're not my mom. I- I'm going to lay here. So then you shut the TV off, right? And yeah. you say, let's move it. So then I'm being a team player. I go outside, right? Gareth joins us. It becomes two-on-two football. Me and you at first, right? You're getting angry because I'm just making fun of everything and goofing around, not being serious. And you, you're taking it very seriously like it's the Super Bowl. You're being no, a big baby. No, that's not true. You're Get not the being a big fuck baby. out of here. No. So we end up, we're getting our asses kicked. I then switch teams. It's me and Gareth versus you and Jason. Yeah. And, and say this, we smoked you guys. Smoked. smoked would be smoked you guys i don't think so and there was a period where you, you there was it was the marsha brady episode where you threw a football right in my oh, face oh i tagged you right in the face right in my face well i was trying to hit you in the back and you turned around at the wrong time and you looked right into it well you're still but, trying to hit me i mean it doesn't matter where you were trying to throw well, it no i didn't try i hit you yeah yeah, yeah. i enjoyed it around i'm not gonna lie literally... I, I did enjoy it because there was that moment where you do something on accident and you hit somebody and you go oh shit i hope they're but you can't stop laughing right and i couldn't stop laughing and, and but I did. How many times did I ask you? Are you okay? You did ask me if I were if I was okay. And all I said to you, I said I don't want an apology. All I want you to admit is that you don't sell tickets anymore. <laughs> Shut that, the fuck for up. me, that was more rewarding than any type of apology. I was like, just please admit no. you don't sell any tickets. And the fact that you didn't 
say it, it still meant the world to me that I know inside that you don't. Yeah, which was great. It was packed the whole that, weekend. That one that one night I was counting the empty chair. <laughs> the bad guy's like one, two, three. Oh, Friday late show. Friday first show, I think it was. First show. Go yeah, fuck yeah, yourself, yeah. Gary. Yeah, there were a lot of empty seats. Oh, God. But we had, we had a good worst. time. We had a good time. Today I'm very excited. We have a very special guest calling in. Yes. Uh, and just let us know when he when he calls in. Uh, he is uh, co-creator of Chappelle's show. Yeah. Great stand-up comedian. And he's also got a wonderful podcast on this network on all things comedy called The Champs. Um, I, I, I'm so excited about Neil Brennan. Yeah. Neil Brennan is a guy that I knew from back in the day. Uh, he and I used to do like late night spots at the Boston Comedy Club, which doesn't exist anymore. But it's like your career. It's great, by the way, with Neil, too, because, I mean, I remember you told me a couple of weeks ago, you're like, hey, Neil's going to be calling in today. I remember you told me that at the beginning of January. I was like, oh, that's awesome that we that you booked him. So I'm, I'm excited for that. So um, I think he's on the phone right now. Neil, how are you? Hello. Brennan. Steven. How are you? <laughs> good to have you, bud. I'm good. You're here with uh, myself well. and uh, Gary Cannon. How are you, bud? I'm good. I don't think I know Gary Cannon, do I? I no, actually, you don't, and yeah, neither yeah, does no. the industry. <laughs> Gary actually did the audience warm-up for Sullivan and Son. He did it for Kilbourne, for Ferguson, yep. for uh, for he does it for Conan right it now. Sounds yep. like uh, sounds like he is the kiss of death. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah, I, no, I agree I, with you. I did no, a I, show. I did a show that Neil was on. This is where you and I met Neil. It was a little show that we taped over at CBS on the Price Is Right stage called Short Coms. Of course. Remember that? Of course. What yeah. the fuck is yes, short comms? Yes, Gary. Well, a, another kiss of death by yeah, yeah, Gary yeah. May, Well, maybe look in your backyard. Um, <laughs> what was look the... in my direction. <laughs> Gary, I, will, I didn't hear what you said. Oh, uh, I, no, I sneezed. Technology, but it was great. I will say that I would contend that my short com was the best. But Steve wants to know and what short com uh, was. I mean, I, what, I don't what really... What was short com? Showcom was a thing that Fox tried to do a few years ago where they had people do short sitcoms, like 15-minute sitcoms or 12-minute sitcoms. And uh, so, and they had a bunch of them in a row. It was The idea of a shortcom was good, but they had literally four of them in a row. So like it was like old-fashioned like moving sets, like a live TV broadcast. It yeah. was incredibly weird. Neil, but I, like, re- my, I liked my show, and I thought I was good as a sitcom actor. Yeah, there, Dove Davidoff so. did one, Ali Wong, Michael Costa. Yeah. It was hosted by Craig Robinson. And I remember, remember, Neil, they didn't even have set changes. but They basically just switched the projection on the screen, like behind the – wherever it was that you were. Yeah, so it was like there, it, was a, there was a, there was a mo- giant LED screens, and they would, like, put a coffee shop – uh, set on there, and then you'd sit in chairs and do the scene. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, I've, it was interesting though. Yeah. Is that um, one? Of, is that so, one of the? Now, were you were you writing and creating your own shortcom? Writing, creating, and starring in my own shortcom. And yes, the word starring is correct, Stephen, because <laughs> I was a star. <laughs> now, what is it you're working on now, Neil? Where what? What What are you working on now, currently? Because you always have something Just in the minute. pipeline. I always got something in the in the hopper. <laughs> um, in the last month, I believe I've directed twelve commercials. Jesus, that that have yet to start airing. But um, 
But so you just one did... of them, Stephen, is going to be on the Super Bowl. Oh, nice. Well, you, you, is that part yeah. of the Nike campaign that you had directed? Because you're no, not Nike. Okay, not Nike. Well, Different, a lot of uh, company. A lot of people know you, uh, or or associate you, or or have heard your name being co-creator of Chappelle's Show. Prior to you calling in, I was discussing with Gary that I've always known you as a stand-up comic. Um, but you had right. been working on Chappelle's show prior to being a comic. When did you decide to make the the leap into stand-up? The leap? Um, I don't know if I've decided to make the leap yet. <laughs> um, I'm still waiting for the industry to help me make the leap. Um, the I guess, like, after, I did it a little bit during the show, and then afterward, I started really in earnest in 2007. Um which is too, which is late. Like you shouldn't start in your thirties. <laughs> right. I try to tell the kids, don't start anything in your thirties. Um, <laughs> what I realized is most of what, first of all, most of the people who make it in show in comedy and show that start and make it in their twenties and B, um, you, you, what you do in your twenties really dictates the rest of your life. So, so, uh, so yeah, thankfully I also in my twenties, Direct. Well, I, I guess I didn't direct stuff in my. I did. Yeah, actually, the first thing I ever directed was on my thirtieth birthday. The first thing I ever like officially directed. So, but I spent my twenties like I wrote Half Fake with Dave and I wrote movies and stuff like that. So, uh, I did do. I was in showbiz. How tough 20s. is it to make the? I don't know if you call it the break, but but you know your own name for yourself after Chappelle's show. You, you know. Dave and you kind of go your separate ways and you start working. How difficult was that for you or, or how, how gratifying was it for you to break that association and just come out from under that umbrella and go, no, there's another guy here too as well? Uh, I still think it's, it's ongoing. I don't think it's like done. I don't think we're really like, um, you know, if I walk down the street with Dave, no one notices me if I walk down the street by myself, a couple people will notice me. So like, um, I don't, I think it's ongoing. I think I have to make like, I have to do something significant enough that people go like, Oh, um, which I'm working on that. You know, like the, the, the short com, if that had happened, that might've been in or, or, uh, I'm, I have a show now, a pilot at Amazon. Hopefully that'll go. Right. Um, I'm doing a show, a one man show in New York starting February 16th, uh, called three mics that hopefully that'll be popular. It's like, you just have to keep, I mean, I remember Dave before he made it used to say like, I just feel like I'm chipping away at a big rock. Right. And then hopefully or like, you know, it's like trying to break out of Shawshank and you just dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. And then at some point, like, like there's nothing behind the wall and you're like, Oh shit, I'm going to make it. Um, I, you know, but, I don't, uh, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it never happens, Steve. You never know. Well, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the past. I, I, I do want to ask you this though: What was the most proud sketch you did on Chappelle's show? What is your baby that you look back on now, even, and say that? I mean, that was fucking. That's the shit. Uh, there's a bunch of them actually. Like, um, the obviously the popular ones, Rick James and the <laughs> Blind White Supremacists, are really good, and. Um, and there's sort of more obscure ones. There's one where Dave shows how his family has always been sort of, um, again, sort of contrarian. Right. Um, 
and it's like a bunch of flashbacks to like different times, like him and his. It's him in the fifth, him in the nineties, him in the seventies, him in the fifties, him in the, and then basically tracing it back to slavery. Um, <laughs> okay. And uh, that's a good one. There's another one where Dave. We showed why Dave could never be. He'd be a bad. He'd be bad on a jury because he sees the, the shadow of doubt is so huge for black people just because of how shady the justice system has been forever. So that's another one. Uh, that's another. So he testifies like on kind of on behalf of OJ, on behalf of uh, Michael Jackson, <laughs> on behalf of all these people. Right. And then I got to ask you, why is that? This is the last show, the question I'll ask you about Chappelle's show. Why does that show yeah. still resonate? Because you can still turn on the TV and see repeats of that show. I, 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 I put out a tweet like, recently where it was like Thursday at 8 o'clock and they were showing Chappelle's show, and I'm like, this show still kills it that they're airing it Thursday at 8 o'clock on cable. I mean, why is that show just transcended and is still relevant even after all these years? It's been like 10 years. Well, thankfully, the justice system hasn't improved for black people. That's been great for the show. Um for one, I mean, I'm kind of kidding, and I'm kind of not. No, you're absolutely um, correct. Yeah. Uh, like, so that's been that's always kind of like because uh, it's the, all the same issues, and it's more or less the same people. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's more or less the same, and you know, it's the the sketches are well written, they're well shot, and Dave's a giant star. Like, it's fun to watch him. It's like just it will never he will never get tired of watching Dave do stuff and he hasn't done anything else so it's sort of all it's like the only artifact left right um, of his sort of showbiz yeah um, I, I gotta ask you so so the show ends and everybody knows the story and all that stuff and then you it seemed to me like you delved deeper in his stand-up, and then uh, I think maybe this is two years ago, you did a Comedy Central hour special called Women and Black Dudes. And yes. I personally, I just seeing at the Comedy Store work on it, watching you, knowing you all these years, I personally would put that in my top ten of all time. And I'm not saying that because you're my friend. I'm not saying that because we've known each other for a long I truly believe that. How... How was the experience of, of going from Chappelle's show to your own stand-up special? What were the thoughts going through your head prior to and then even during it? Uh, prior to, um, you know, I mean, prior to, you just try to get the show right. And then during, um, you know, I, I guess during it was like just trying to get it just trying to perform stuff well because I know how to write jokes. Like, I mean, like that's like not a not. I'm not like no, that's no problem. <laughs> jokes are easy. They're not easy, but they're not. But like when it comes to performing, that's more of a challenge. So just trying to be a good performer. Mm-hmm. I literally have to like remind myself to smile on stage. <laughs> um, I'm like if a robot did stand up, where it's like smile, robot. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, um. So, so there's that. And then I remember my, um, my girlfriend at the time when I got off stage, this was a testament to, uh, why the relationship wasn't going to work. When I got off stage of my special, she said, man, those people love you. 
Not you were great. Jesus Christ. Just those, just that you tricked those people. Right. Um, <laughs> those people. So, yeah, that was pretty great. Uh, but, yeah, so I appreciate you saying that. I think it's very good. I, it doesn't, um, it's not in like the, you know, it doesn't, people don't really, it's not like a Benone, uh, what a Benone, is that a thing? Uh, but, uh, a Benone, it's not a recognized top 20 by anybody else, but I, I happen to think it's really good. I think it's great. And look, if you get a chance, go to look, go to iTunes, download it. You can rent it. It is absolutely, I think, just on par with any of the great writer comics that are out there that aren't just relying on physicality or whatever. But you definitely have a very clear perception of the world and a strong opinion. I, obviously, that's that's the backbone of any comedian. But it's something I've always appreciated about you and love watching you grow. Are yeah, you working? Yeah, nice stuff like. Uh... So Bigley said it reminded him of Patrice, which is really nice. And now, are you working on a on a new one currently, or is that the yeah, basis the, of the three, three mics? mics thing? Is the uh, three mics thing is the show I'm doing? That. It's basically like because people are so. Uh, I, they, first of all, there's so many hours now. Right. Everyone's got an hour, and. So, I mean, there's a guy named Steve Byrne who I think has done four of them. And, um, <laughs> Still can't sell tickets. Gary. Um, I'm talking to Neil. <laughs> um, and uh, so I'm just trying to figure out a way to, like, because I was like, I thought that hour was good and no one seemed to care. And so I'm going to do another hour. Uh, this hour is, I it's a, it's the show's called Three Mics because I put three mics on stage. Mm-hmm. One is for stand-up. One is for one-liners that I've never been able to put anywhere in my act because they're just one-liners and they don't relate to anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the middle mic is for like true personal emotional stories, right? That aren't necessarily funny. They're funny-ish, but they're not like stand-up funny. So, so I'm doing that uh, in New York starting February 16th, and then I'm going to do it uh, on some network to be negotiated. <laughs> We're negotiating now. How um, difficult is it or, to understand yeah. the Jenga or to put the puzzle pieces incorrectly? Because when you hear of it, there's three different outlets for comedy. When do you know to parlay this heavy-handed, perhaps deeply personal story, and then jump to that one-liner or then go to that stand-up bit. Like, how long did the process I don't, take? I you only to... vary it. I only switch mics three times. Like, meaning, oh, like not three times total, but like, I do, I do like, I do basically ten minutes on the first two mics, and the one line of mics probably like three minutes. Right. Uh, so it's like ten, ten, three, ten, ten, three, ten, ten, and the show's over. Oh wow. Ten, ten, and then like one one liner. Um, show's over. Um, so, so I guess it's like figuring out, I, it's basically like the, the anecdotes in the middle are, are like, there's an arc to that, mm-hmm. which is just talking about shit that I've dealt with, like depression and shit like that. Um, and, and then stuff with my father and then, um, the standup is just sort of like, yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> Right, like, right. That's enough. That's enough good jokes for that period. Well, and then lot, the one-liners are just literally I just pick them at random. Now, 
I got to I'm looking forward to seeing that. I cannot wait to see it. Again, you're one of my favorites right. and I'm I'm not saying that again cuz we're right. friends, but I truly mean that. Uh I got to ask you this. Uh maybe people know this, maybe people don't, but you you actually directed a feature film called The Goods, The Don Reddy Story starring Jeremy Piven. I did. What were That's the correct. what were the pre preconceptions going into it thinking this is going to be this kind of comedy and then well, how did the aftermath of the film what what came about for you in terms of your experience in, in terms uh, of directing the feature? Was pretty much any opportunity I had before dried up, which was a very exciting. <laughs> um, the um, it basically like it was the preconceptions were exactly what I thought, which is making a movie, a, a Hollywood studio movie, mm-hmm. like an eight million dollar movie or whatever, um, is a it's a very big bet. You're betting, like, it's an all-in bet. You can't really make small bets when you make a movie. It's like, you will get all the credit, all the blame, whichever. Um, and in my case, it was blame. Right. So the forensic, maybe it was Jeremy's fault. Maybe it was the script's fault. Maybe it was my fault. Who knows? Um, but we all got blamed. Um, and that's it's kind of just the way. I knew that going in, and it turned out, I was exactly right. Uh, it's, you have to get lucky in a lot of ways. Like you have to get culturally lucky. You have to get like, you know, the movie has to be about something that people care about. It has to be about, um, it has to have all the right people in it. It has to have a good trailer. I think the biggest problem was people didn't really know what it was about and people don't really care about used car salespeople. I wanted to do it because Will Ferrell and Adam McKay produced it. And I love those guys. Right. Like they're my favorite, you know, they're my favorite, uh, probably comedy writer star team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, like McKay just directed the big short. So he's nominated for three Oscars. Like he's a brilliant guy. Um, so, so yeah, so I like, I wanted to work with those guys and, uh, but whatever, the movie just didn't take for whatever reason. And I've not been allowed back. <laughs> <laughs> Would you, uh... I don't want to be, come off as as brash, but professionally speaking, would that have been the biggest hit or or failure on your resume? Uh, the biggest hit? No, the biggest hit's going to be Chappelle Show. Oh no, no, no I, 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 I meant I, I meant hit to the resume in terms of that, not not like you know we all. Oh, know the Chappelle biggest Sh- hit? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, yeah. What, what, I don't even. I'm not even being like. I don't think you're being like. Oh, Stephen, you're being brash. Like. I know exactly what it is. I don't even try to, I don't shrink from it. Like, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I made a movie people didn't see. And that's, you can't, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you're literally not allowed to do that and make movies. They will stop letting you make movies. What was the biggest lesson, um, I guess, in the aftermath of it that you, that you took away from the failure of, of the film? Uh, I guess that, just don't make a movie unless you really, really give a shit about it. Don't do it because of one element. Don't do it because of another. Don't, you know, just do it because you really, really like it. And you really, really, it, you feel like it'll work and, um, you don't have to squint to see it. And also just having some say in the, in how it's, how it's made, how it's marketed, how it's cast, all that stuff. Like, not like you need absolute say, but I just, I guess I wish I'd had more. Right. Um, so, so yeah, but you know, I, I don't see it as, as like, 
like a big, I don't, I, it just doesn't, uh, it's so absurd right? That, that I don't really even see it at like a, I mean, it doesn't bother me if that makes sense. Of course. Yeah. I, I got to ask you because you're so known of collaborating with Chappelle and mm-hmm. just in being terms of, uh, of being friends with you, you've worked with everybody though in the comedy world. Like you've literally worked with so many people. Is there somebody still on the radar that you would love to sit down and collaborate with that you have not yet? Uh, Eddie Murphy, I still want to really work with. He pitched a sketch one time that we used, um, but I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to. I mean, he's a guy that like. He has a movie that is being written right now that I'm really trying to get involved in. Um, and uh, either as a rewrite or director or whatever, like, he's just, like, he's amazing. And a, and a really good dude and always very nice to me when I see him. I got to ask you this. When uh, Chappelle's show is just skyrocketing, and this is a, a classic mm-hmm. Eric Cannon question, but what is the one thing, like, were you, were you finally like, I'm going to treat myself it's time to spoil myself. Yeah. What was the one thing that you got for yourself where you, you know, you finally had Man, some money in the bank? this is a classic Gary Cannon question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always ask it. Textbook, classic, old, old-fashioned <laughs> Gary Vintage Cannon. Vintage oh, um, <laughs> um, What did I, uh, I guess the thing I bought was an apartment. That's, That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but this is in New York um, City, I assume, right? Yeah. Do you still own it? Yeah. No, I ended up losing money on it, and I'll tell you why. Let this be another caution for the kids. <laughs> when you buy a penthouse apartment in New York, a lot of them leak because oh. apartments, because buildings aren't supposed to have flat roofs. Uh. So it was flat roof, and it leaked, and I couldn't, and I actually lost money on the resale because I couldn't. It was the ceiling was so jacked up. Well, Gary rents, so he's not going to take that to heart. <laughs> that's why I never buy right. it. When Steve got his yeah, first check no, at Sullivan been, and Son, he yeah. went to the uh, 99 cent store and splurged. Okay. <laughs> Classic canon. Do you think that's the biggest comedy embarrassment at the comedy store, Neil, the uh, Sullivan and Son show? People don't want to talk about it, but I, I'm willing to bring it out. Like, nobody wanted to be part of that show, did they? Wanted, wanted, what do you mean, wanted to be a part of it? Like if if Steve, like Steve came into the comedy store like one night and you knew he was working on the show like people wouldn't make eye contact with him because people thought that he might ask them to be a guest star like just nobody wanted okay that you don't MTV have to page. no this is Gary this is oh. just Gary being Gary sorry, sorry Neil he's never heard of you and that's exactly why I guess I'm saying I guess my question would be why keep him on on the show why keep him on the podcast well I, I question myself yeah all the time yeah carrying this thing on, oh for fuck's sakes. Um, Neil, I cannot thank you enough. Yes. And we look forward to seeing your Super Bowl commercial. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I, I've been wanting to have you on for quite some time, and I'm glad it worked out. And Yeah, could, people live in New York, have them go see the uh, three mics, which will be at the Bleecker Street Theater. What What is the date? Starting February 16th. February 16th, 16th, three mics, Neil Brennan. And is there a website that they can go to, or do you know that? or? No, I, there is not one yet, Stephen. <laughs> okay. Well, be on the lookout for it. One of my favorite comics. And, Neil, I cannot thank you enough for spending the time with us. And, look, we're on All Things Comedy. Listen to Neil's yes. podcast, The Champs. It's awesome. God uh, bless. Thanks again, buddy. I really appreciate it, pal. All right. All right. Thanks, Thank Neil. That was Neil Brennan. You should uh, Love him. do a show called No Mics. One mic for each audience member. Anyway, 
Uh, I'm so glad that Neil remembered because we booked him the at the very beginning of January. And I, I'm so glad that he remembered this date and remembered to call in. Okay. Sometimes comics get aloof and they forget. Yeah. What uh, is check uh, out Steve's show. What are we giving away? No mics. Well, hold on, Steve. Uh, relax. Jesus Christ. Um, we uh, we have a sponsor this week. Which I'm By the so... way, you were great in that interview. I mean, the way you jumped in and asked some real questions. and I mean, this guy has done it all in terms of comedy. Been part of the zeitgeist of the country when Chappelle's show was on, and you had nothing to ask. You are an absolute. Moron. By the way, Parachute Online is a uh, betting brand based here in Venice Beach, California. And I will tell you something, Steve. You at one point had comfortable sheets, and I remember them at one point that weekend that you were in Richmond, Virginia, on the road. Um, very, very comfortable <laughs> sheets. And just know this, Stephen, as uh, Neil would call you. Uh, great sleep starts with your sheets, and Parachute has uh, created an online uh, website uh, with great bedding essentials from sheets to comforters to give you uh, the superior sleep that you need uh, because that's very, very important. Uh, Parachute's uh, website is very straightforward. Uh, You can get through it very, very quickly. They offer uh, free shipping, uh, free returns, and a 30-day, 30-night risk-free guarantee. So if you don't like them, you can return them. Now, here's the great thing, Steve. You're not going to believe this. I I, I can't wait. Yeah, listen. Uh, If you shop online, Mm -hmm. you go to parachutehome.com backslash dojo, uh, mentioning our website, mentioning our dojo, you will get uh, $25 off uh, your very first order. Isn't that great? That's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, people don't know this. Like, a lot of people sleep uh, without a top sheet, and that's uh, not comfortable. Yeah. So I'm just telling you, people, that they need to go to the Parachute website. It's uh, great. Could you say the website one more time? Uh, Parachutehome.com. I'm in. Parachutehome.com. I'm, yeah. I'm going to do that. I, I think I'm going to surprise my wife yeah. with some new sheets. Are you really? I swear to God, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I think when you do like those little things like that. Sure, they're, they're, it's a big deal. Like to a to a woman that's like, you got new sheets. And, and I actually, I would lay them out and like, you know- Tuck it under the mattress. So you do a good job at that. I do a good job with so, it because well, right now I just I just like throw it on like like that parachute thing in fifth grade in the gym class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I try to tuck under. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Would you use this website parachutehome.com? I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I'll do it. Well, well, backslash dojo. Backslash dojo. Yeah. If you use backslash champs, that's thirty percent off. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Steven, I got to tell you. I mean that. Uh, Neil interview was great. I, I love that guy, and uh, we will obviously do some heavy editing this show. Um, but everything was good. I liked it. And obviously they can see you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Gary, my God. Oh, sorry. I'm just getting uh, Women and black dudes. On, uh, honestly, do yourself a favor. Rent women and black dudes. I love the album. Neil is one of my favorites. Uh, I think you'll enjoy him, too. Uh, at Canon Comedy. Yeah. At Steve Byrne Live. And we are off. Thanks so much for listening to the dojo. So true. Funny how it seems.